This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 18th of October 2021 and Tegan, it feels that we're getting towards the end of an era maybe. Yeah, if you counted up all of the episodes of Coronacast that we spent not talking about Victoria or Melbourne being in lockdown and all the ones that we talked about being that it was, I'm pretty sure it'd be about 50-50. And yesterday we heard the Premier Daniel Andrews of Victoria say the Melbourne lockdown that's currently underway is going to start lifting this week and they're not going to go back to broad-scale lockdowns again ever. That's right, because Victorians are reaching 70% double vaccination faster than predicted, which is great. Congratulations to everybody in Victoria. And you know, reasonably similar um, restrictions being lifted as in New South Wales uh, last Monday. So that's it's good. And it's going to be a huge relief for Victorians. Absolutely. And I think about the pathway out that they're looking at towards, they're moving away from lock, lockdowns to lockouts is the the phrasing that the Premier used. So keeping out people who aren't vaccinated, only allowing people in who are, it feels maybe a little bit different to the the roadmap out that New South Wales is looking at? Well, use a different language, but it's effectively the same, that uh, New South Wales will will relax the differentiation between vaccinated and unvaccinated, I think, on the 1st of December. Whether or not that will continue in Victoria, I'm not sure. I mean, Victoria is, has got more problems. Remember, it is a problem that originated in New South Wales. If it wasn't for the lax quarantine in New South Wales and the limo driver, Victoria almost certainly would not be in the situation it's in now. And they've got large numbers of cases, probably because of the deep-seated, widespread nature of this, the protests, the grand final day parties, and just the utter exhaustion with lockdown. And hospitals in Victoria are doing it tough and will continue to do it tough because last week there were some really big days and that will flow through to big hospitalisation days next week, even though the numbers are down a little bit yesterday. Right. So case numbers are declining, which is a fantastic sign. We want to see that. Hospitalisations are down a bit. But as we've talked about a few times, Norman, on this podcast, people catch COVID and they might not need to be hospitalised for it until a couple of weeks down the track where there's this lag between someone testing positive and when they might need to go into hospital. The good news is hospitalisation rates are slashed as are ICU hospitalisations and indeed deaths, which is fantastic compared to last year. And that's because of partial vaccination. It's also because of younger groups getting uh, infected. But if you get very large numbers, you'll get larger numbers of hospitalizations, even at a lower rate. So I think a lot of people in the Victorian healthcare system are holding their breath. And we're talking about vaccination rates in terms of the population 16 plus, but no matter which jurisdiction you're looking at, particularly the places with current outbreaks, it's looking really good. New South Wales has finally reached the 80% double dose target, which was you know one of the big targets that was set a while ago. We're only about four, three or four days away from 70% double dose for 16 plus Australia wide. So we really are getting to the sorts of thresholds that we were talking about a few months ago with the Doherty report of what the pathway out really should look like. But... Remember, 16 plus is not good enough because it still leaves a lot of people unvaccinated. And the great news is that 12 to 15 year olds will be getting vaccinated at quite a rapid rate. Queensland, Western Australia in particular, have got problems because they're lagging behind and they're going to be extremely nervous about opening up. But that's got to, that's got to come. How long do you keep Queensland closed because, or Western Australia closed because of people who don't want to get vaccinated? Now, that's a different issue. 
from some communities, particularly Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander communities, not being vaccinated. And some people are arguing that we should really slow down a little bit until we make sure that those communities are vaccinated. And that's complicated why they're not. But nonetheless, that is going to be a serious issue if we, th- if we think, well, it's just great in the big cities, but in regional areas, it goes nuts. Or indeed, in communities which are disadvantaged in our big cities. Yeah, it Health inequalities notwithstanding, as a Queenslander, I'm looking at just those raw numbers statewide and it's pretty frustrating. I think we've had it almost too good. Places like New South Wales and Victoria and the ACT know only too well just how bad it can be and how vital it is to all be vaccinated. And there just doesn't seem to be much impetus in Queensland to get out, go out and just make that appointment and get the shot, even if you're not hesitant or against it at all. It's just like it's on your to-do list, but you just haven't got around to it yet. It would be a brave political decision, but you could just say on date X, 1st of November, we're open for business. And if you're not vaccinated, that's your problem. I mean, you could just do it that way. But that is a dangerous thing to do for some under some disadvantaged communities, which just not necessarily had the attention that they deserve. Well, if you've got ideas about how Australia should make sure we're getting that smooth coverage of vaccination Australia-wide, send us a message at abc.net.au slash coronacast. But Norman, New South Wales has hit 80%, double dose, 16 plus. What comes next now? Well, what comes next is a progressive opening, which is great, which is also the 1st of November internationally. We're going to be open, at least in New South Wales, to Australians, their families uh, coming back home. And, uh, and people leaving the country and being free to leave the country as long as you're fully vaccinated and there's probably going to be testing requirements as well. So that's all great news. But what's coming next is quite dramatic reductions in immunity for the people who were first vaccinated back in March and April. We're now just getting beyond the six-month mark for many of these people, particularly people in residential aged care. There is some evidence from overseas that contrary to what we've been seeing on CoronaCast, there probably is a bit of a diminution of protection against hospitalisation and we've really got to get onto third doses, I imagine, quite soon. Really interesting research from the United States in a trial, so a really measured way of looking at mixing and matching boosters in the United States context. It's a smallish study, about four or 500 people, But what they did was they looked at Johnson, the Moderna vaccine, and the Pfizer vaccine, and they looked at following with the third dose being being one of those three. So you could be given the Johnson vaccine, you could be given the Pfizer vaccine, you could be given the Moderna vaccine. And this is where they'd had the original courses at least 12 weeks beforehand. Interestingly, what they found was that the antibody levels pre-boost were highest for Moderna and lowest for the Johnson vaccine. And the Johnson vaccine, remember, is a single-dose viral vector, a bit like Astra, but only a single dose, not a double dose. And it increasingly looks as though Johnson vaccine as a single dose is really an underperformer. Moderna was really the uh, one which stood out there. And it looked as though the Moderna was... They kind of they kind of fudged this a little bit, but it looks as though as the third-dose vaccine, Moderna was a bit better than Pfizer. But what they found was that there were very significant increases in the antibodies following the booster. Really quite dramatic. So mixing was a good strategy for getting good antibody responses and that the mRNA vaccines were the better ones for a booster shot rather than the Johnson adenovirus. 
And so you were saying last week, we had a question, I think, about this, and we were talking about this third dose slash booster situation. And you said that it might be possible that we might just need that that third dose, that one booster shot, but then it might be a much longer lasting immunity after that. Does this study look at that at all? No, it's too short term. We won't know this for a long time. And what you're going on here is experience with other three dose vaccines like hepatitis B, human papillomavirus, um, which are very different kinds of viruses. And remember, these have got, we've got the risk of variants here coming around the corner. The bottom line here is that at least in the short term, a third dose gives you very good coverage and a boost, particularly if it's with one of the mRNA vaccines. And, and what I should have said right at the beginning of my description of this study was that they were comparing mixing uh, these vaccines with matching them. So, they, so in other words, some people got a different vaccine from the original one and some people got the same one. And the bottom line is that you're much better mixing. Oh, that's so interesting. So that's vaccines, Norman. Let's talk about treatments now because for no matter how good our vaccination rate is, we always need to have that backup for if those breakthrough infections. And we heard over the weekend that Australia has purchased 15,000 doses of a drug called Ronaprev. What is it and how is it different to that other drug we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, um, Molnupiravir? Well, Molnupiravir is a direct antiviral, so it's a bit like an antibiotic which kills the virus. The Ronaprev is a set of two monoclonal antibodies designed to block the virus from getting into the body. So it doesn't do anything really to the virus to kill it, it just stops it. And in this case, trying to prevent severe disease occurring. So this would be given to people at risk of severe disease. How it performs in relation to the other monoclonal antibodies, we just don't know. Who would get this kind of drug? It's not a preventative, it's not going to stop you from getting COVID, it's if you're really sick, right? Yeah, so this would be people who are obese, who've got um, comorbidities, who are aged and frail, you might give it to them in place in, the, in a residential aged care facility, particularly since their immunity is really going to be falling off, that sort of person. I know that Australia has been criticised, I think, by some internationally and at home for being locked down for a really long time. But I, when I hear about these drugs coming through and then we're also looking at the way our vaccination rates are going, it just makes me feel like we timed it perfectly, that we're getting fully vaccinated, we're going to open our doors, open our borders to you know, people coming in and out from overseas, and that with that is going to come breakthrough infections. But now we have tools to protect people who become severely ill, even though that's going to be much less likely than before. It's like we've got the full suite kind of coming in now to protect us moving forward. So much as I'd love to agree with you, Tegan, and always nervous about disagreeing with you, <laughs> I disagree with you. Right. If we'd had vaccine earlier and had that sort of 70% protection, it's quite likely that we would not have had the major lockdowns in Victoria and New South Wales that we did. So effectively, we've had two lockdowns that could well have been avoided if we just imagine if we'd reached 70% by June. We wouldn't necessarily have had those lockdowns and that, and that's, and that kind of outbreak. So we've had 100 odd days in New South Wales. Victorians have suffered immensely. And if we'd had vaccine earlier, this probably would not have happened. No, you're totally right. I, here's me always trying to look for the sunny side of things. But yeah, there's been a lot of harm done in the last few months that would have been avoidable if we'd been vaccinated more quickly. But that is all we've got time for on today's Coronacast. Thank you for listening. If you've got questions or comments, please go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And remember that on Friday, we had Eddie Holmes on, Professor Eddie Holmes from the University of Sydney, a great Coronacast if you want to go back and have a listen. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. See you then.